You filled your belly. I couldn't eat another thing. I'm absolutely stuffed. Now fill your brain with lightning knowledge. What can I do to speed the whole thing up, doctor? This is Lightning Lunch, a full hour of lightning talk with lightninginsider.com's Eric Erlinson. Did you see the memo about this? On Lightning Power Play. Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of Lightning Lunch here on Lightning Power Play. Eric Erlinson, your host from lightninginsider.com as well as the host of the Open Faceoff Show. You can hear home games for 30 most home games uh, that will resume tomorrow as Tampa Bay will be hosting the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, got a lot to go over today uh, as usual. Of course, last night's game against the Boston Bruins. We'll recap and talk about what we saw in that game and some lessons that perhaps the Lightning learned that you would hope they figured out in that game. Lots of talk coming out of the general manager's meeting, how it affects the Lightning, including some salary cap numbers. Uh, we're also live here from practice, so we'll give you some live practice updates. So kudos to Connor for getting us upstairs uh, to be able to bring that to you. So uh, we'll be able to bring you everything that takes place on the ice, uh, including, yes, Jan Ruda is out there. He's wearing a red no-contact jersey, so it's good to see him on the ice. Ryan McDonough as well is out on the ice wearing a regular colored jersey, so that's a good sign for his potential return. I don't know if that'll be tomorrow. We'll have to wait and see what that brings. Uh, but we again, we are here live from Amelie Arena, and of course, we will take your questions, your comments. Use the hashtag AskEE on Twitter. You can email me. Eric at LightingInsider.com as well, as we have uh, a lot to go over. So we have no guests today. We're riding solo up here uh, with uh, Con well, Connor's with me. We're not totally solo, but Connor's up, up here with me as always. But, uh, you know, we're just going to recap last night's game. We spent a lot of time talking about that because uh, it's important to kind of see how things developed last night and where they developed uh, and how you got to the result. It's, we talk about that a lot on this show, right? It's not the result. How did you get to the result? And we're certainly going to dissect a lot of that because here we are, five weeks from today is when the postseason begins. 16 games left in the regular season for Tampa Bay. You can probably take the Atlantic Division thought process out of your mind so you're looking at holding on to that number two spot. By the way, the Leafs did lose Last night in San Jose, so they don't make up any ground on Tampa Bay for a number two spot in the division. So you want to make sure you hold on to that second spot and gain home ice advantage for at least the opening round of the postseason. But here's what you want to do. You, you want to look, and I was on with Greg Lanelli during pregame last night where we discussed the Bruins, who they are, what they are, and to me... They're a model team in terms of how they play just so consistent game after game after game. You have to appreciate, I know we don't like the Bruins on this station. And you guys don't like the Bruins on this station. I get it. They're the Bruins. But you have to appreciate the way that they can play. Because when you evaluate the, the Bruins on paper, you look at it and you go, okay, yeah, they look like they're a pretty good team. They're okay. You do have a Patrice Bergeron and David Posternock, who's in the Rocket Richard Trophy Chase. Brad Marchand, or Marchand, I don't know how he wants his name pronounced this week. 
But after that, you know, it's it's kind of just a, a bunch of, you know, decent players. I mean, Charlie Mac. I mean, we're talking forwards here. Charlie McAvoy is a, a tremendous talent on the back end. Zdeno Chara, even at his age, continues to be a, a difficult force to play against out there. Tori Krug. But, you know, when you look at them, they're, they're just – there's some, they're some is greater than their whole, or their whole is greater than what, – what's, what's the saying? I don't even know what the saying is. Late night last night. The sum of their parts is greater than the whole. Am I saying it right? Regardless. So you look at them. And they just, they play a certain way, and they do it every single time. Have a lot of creativity on that top line for sure, but for the most part, they, they just play the same way. They don't give you much. They're consistently one of the top defensive teams in the league. Continue to be once again today, or, uh, you know, this year. They're tough to find areas to get into the middle of the ice against. So that's where I say, if you want to model yourself after a team, it's probably a pretty good team to do it against. If you're trying to measure up to where you want to be, the Bruins are the team to me you want to try and match up against. And the Lightning have had success. You know, they had won four straight here at Amelie Arena over the Bruins. They had won, I believe, four straight overall against Boston. So they've had success against them. And it was a one-goal game last night. So it was a close game. They had opportunities, especially in the third period. The Lightning had the puck a lot in the third period, and we're really pushing. But here's where the difference is when you're facing a team like the Bruins. Your attention to detail has to be finite. I mean, it has to be so finely tuned to be able to beat them. And they can be frustrating to play against. And you can't force plays. And you can't make minor mistakes. And if you look at some of the determining factors and what led to the 2-1 result last night, the first one we'll start with is the opening goal of the game. In the final minute of the first period, Brad Marchand, backdoor play, and the Bruins are very good at backdoor plays, is able to be in position for a Tory Krug pass to, I believe it actually hit off a of Marchand skate, or Marchand skate. I don't know how he wants his name pronounced this week. But if you go back and watch the play, the original sin and the Lightning are okay. They're, they're in fine shape. They've got everybody covered. Marchand kind of circles high. And as soon as Mikhail Sergachev loses track of him, he makes a beeline for the backdoor play and is a half step behind, and that's all it takes. That's all it takes to be caught out of position. We know how fast this game is. That's all it takes, and that's all it took. So Brad Marchand is able to open the scoring on a backdoor play where Mikhail Sergachev just loses him for a half second. Bang, one nothing after the first period. 
And then, well, there's the offside review. And I'm amazed that the league was able to determine so fast that that play was offside last night. I mean, that was, that was really, really close. And to sit there and, and to, to say so quickly that definitively there was enough evidence to overturn the call. It was just rather fast. Either way, and we can debate and argue the merits of the offside challenge review. It's supposed to correct the egregious calls. I mean, that's a classic case of spirit of the rule and interpretation of the rule, the letter of the rule. Tyler Johnson had zero, zero to do with that play. Zach Bogosian cuts across, and that kind of threw the timing off just enough. But he sets up, Bogosian sets up Yanni Gord for a one-timer from above the right circle that tied the game. But again, a millimeter. We're talking probably a millimeter, maybe two offside. And you end up having a goal taken off the board. So again, in a league where they're trying to find ways to increase scoring, they've instituted a rule that is instead taking goals off the board and goes completely against the grain of what the offside challenge is going to be. And I get it. The rule is the rule. It's like soccer. The rule is the rule. If you're offside, you're offside. But it's supposed to take the five feet Matt Duchesne offside call off the board, not the five centimeter call off the board. Either way, the goal gets taken off. And then I mentioned you cannot get impatient. You can't force plays. And that's exactly what the Lightning were doing. They were trying too many sort of, of of plays where they were going across the ice or back. And, then, you know, going back from low to high is not a bad play. A lot of teams utilize this, but there are situations where you don't utilize it. And that happened on the second Boston goal last night. Yanni Gord down in the corner, right around the bottom of the left circle, decides to try and force a play back to Victor Hedman, who there's two Bruins players in between Yanni Gord and Victor Hedman. That's where you have to have the realization that that's not the, that's not the right play. That you have to keep the puck down low, maybe try and go across the ice, don't go back. He went back. Puck is deflected. Jake DeBrus kind of gets a step on Zach Bogosian. Give Bogosian a lot of credit for trying to make up the ground. Making a diving sweep check to try and poke the stick off DeBrusque. Ends up tripping him up a little bit. But again, give DeBrus credit for getting back to his skates and finishing off the play and giving Boston a 2 not to lead. And that's an important, I mean, the Bruins, again, are one of the tougher teams to try and come back against. I know the Panthers did it earlier this year. 
They were down. They were down 5-1 in the third period. So it can be done. But it's tough. It's tough to come back against the Bruins, especially this time of the year. Now, let's compare that Yanni Gord play that made it 2 nothing. Match it up against Tyler Johnson in the same situation, in the same area of the ice, and what it meant and what it led to. So Tyler Johnson, again down at the bottom of the left circle, has the puck on his stick and is holding it. And instead of making the low high play, he takes the puck to the net. And he's able to get a shot off that actually hit Mitchell Stevens in the stomach. And Stevens was able to locate the puck at his feet, turn around and whack it past Tuka Rask. So overlap those two plays and, and show the difference there. And in a playoff series, plays like this can be the difference in winning and losing. All those risk plays that we talked about, this team trying to avoid and take out of their game. The Yanni Gord play was a high-risk play. The Tyler Johnson was a high-reward play. Low-risk, high-reward. Because it's a simple play, take it to the net. Remember, Guy Boucher used to say all the time, create chaos. Get the puck on net and create chaos. So just overlap those two plays and see the difference. Stevens gets the goal, makes it 2-1. You got yourselves a game. Lighting pushed hard. In the third period, had plenty of opportunities. Again, kind of got back to being the team that, you know, they kind of were during the winning streak. The shot attempts in the third period were 22 to 7 in favor of Tampa Bay. They had been 47 to 30 in favor of Boston the first two periods. You know how much I like to use that the shot possession numbers. And the Bruins had the puck a lot. And what the Bruins were also doing is they weren't hesitating. They were funneling pucks to the net. So that's why that's you get a little bit of a high shot volume in that case because they were just throwing everything they had. Anytime the puck found its way back to the point on net, they were going. So that's how you get 47 shot attempts through two periods. But in the third, here's the difference. 22 shot attempts, but only seven shots on goal. That's because the Bruins blocked eight shots and the Lightning missed the net seven times, including once where Eric Chernak put a serious dent in the crossbar. Could have tied the game. You know, and you got to take advantage of your opportunities too. Anthony Sorelli had a partial breakaway in the second period, early in, or in the third period, early in the third period, on a fantastic pass from Nikita Kucherov. And I'm watching Victor Hedman down on the ice, sort of hunched over in pain. I did not see what happened. Tommy Mulligan, head athletic trainer, 
out to check out Victor. Still down on the ice. Not sure, again, I didn't see what happened to Hetty. But he's kind of hunched over, still on his knees, down on the ice. Still being talked to by, Vic, uh, by Tommy Mulligan. Starting to make his way up to his skates. Looks like he's holding his face. I don't know if they got a stick or a puck to his facial area. And he's staying in the game. He's a hockey player. Right, it's a practice, but so what? All right, he's fine. Crisis averted. But again, taking advantage of your opportunities. The Bruins did it. Jake DeBrusque finished off his semi-partial breakaway chance. Anthony Sorelli did not, and there's a big difference in the game as well. So as we kind of evaluate that game, you know, you, you lose five out of six now. You know, it's not unusual for a team that has all the success that the Lightning had to kind of go on a little bit of a, of a lull. Again, the Pittsburgh Penguins just snapped their six-game losing streak last night. So good teams do go through this. The, the, the Capitals have been slumping a little bit here as well. But they're in good shape. Again, any, any fear of them dropping out of the, the number two spot and home ice advantage that would come with it in the first round, most likely against Toronto, potentially against Florida, is not really in any jeopardy here with 16 games left. Uh, to me, the objective now over these next five weeks before the playoffs start, which, again, we don't know the date in which they will start, but the playoffs do begin five weeks from today. To me, it's all about, A, getting healthy, Looks like we're getting close to that as Ryan McDonough and Jan Ruda are on the ice. Jan Ruda not taking part in a lot of the drills that are taking place right now. He's down at the other end of the ice skating on his own. But Ryan McDonough has been taking part in drills. Actually watching him take part right now with Luke Shen. So if that's any indicator... Based on tomorrow, we probably won't see Ryan McDonough tomorrow. But, again, we'll have to see what tomorrow brings in the morning skate, which will probably be optional. Usually the pattern is practice today, optional tomorrow. That's what they did yesterday. Monday was a practice. Tuesday was an optional morning skate. So over these final 16 games, to me, it's all about uh, trying to get your five-on-five -five game back, your defensive prowess back. We talked about how much they've relied and were able to rely on that defense uh, defensive thought process when they were winning those games and they weren't getting impatient. That was such a key. They were not getting impatient. I felt last night a little too impatient at times trying to force too many plays. And you can't do that, especially against a team like the Boston Bruins. There are teams that will give you opportunities, but the Bruins are not one of them. And that's why I think in many ways it was a good lesson, if that's the best word to say and what is to come once they come to the postseason. Not that they don't know. This team has had plenty of playoff success. They understand winning, but in terms of how they've tried to change their approach this year, to me, that's what the final 16 games have to be about. All right, long-winded first segment, uh, but let's go ahead and take our first break. Uh, again, if you've got questions, comments, send them in. I use the hashtag AskEE on Twitter, or you can email me, Eric, 
at lightninginsider.com. Got some stuff coming out of the general manager's meetings that wrapped up today down in Boca Raton. Uh, so we'll touch on some of those subjects when we come back right after this. This is Lightning Lunch with LightningInsider.com's Eric Erlinson. You can eat that? What, that? No, yes, no. Well, no, I, I crossed my mind. Yeah. On Lightning Power Play. All right, welcome back to Lightning Lunch here on Lightning Power Play. Eric Erlinson from LightningInsider.com, your host. We're live from Amelie Arena upstairs today as we watch practice take place and... Uh, again, Victor Hedman's fine, so crisis averted. No concerns, no worries uh, about him. He did not leave the ice in any way, if you were listening there towards the tail end of the first segment. Uh, line combinations appear to be the same. I uh, was wondering if maybe they would move some things around uh, as we walked out of the building discussing the possibility last night, but it does appear they will be the same as they ended, and that means Andre Palat with Braden Point and Nikita Kucherov, Blake Coleman, Alex Kalorn and Anthony Sorelli, um, Tyler Johnson, Barclay Goodrow, and Mitchell Stevens, and then Cedric Paquette, Pat Maroon, and Yanni Gord with Carter Verhage sort of filtering into some of the drills. So I would expect that means that Carter Verhage will once again be the odd man out tomorrow. Because now we're watching another defenseman get up a little, a little slow. Mikhail Sergachev. <laughs> He's okay, but he just he did get a little slow off the ice as they're kind of engaged in some battle drills here uh, down low. They have both the nets angled off towards the corners in the face-off dots, uh, so they're doing some in-close battle drills uh, here for practice, and that's an area where, you know, you, you want to be better at once you get to the postseason. So, uh, so look for that tomorrow night to see them get more engaged. I know that's one of the things that, the players that we talked to after the game last night had mentioned about, you know, why their third period was a little bit better, why the second half of the game was a little bit better is because they got more aggressive, they got a little bit more physical in their play. So uh, we'll see if that carries over into tomorrow night's game against the Montreal Canadiens. And a couple of things that came out of the GM's meetings, you know, we had talked yesterday about the emergency backup goalie situation and there's no appetite to change that at all. Uh, the other two things that came out yesterday, uh, the first one is the offside review challenge, and this would have had no impact whatsoever on the Tyler Johnson, Yanni Gord goal last night where Johnson was apparently ruled to have been offside in that situation. Um, the blue line is now a vertical plane. So in other words, we've seen this many times. If a player's skate is off the ice as they enter the zone, the front skate becomes a determining factor whether or not they're in an onside position. Well, now that plane is going to raise infinitely into the sky. Vertical airspace. So if you drag your trailing skate behind you, as long as it remains behind that plane, then the play will be determined onside. Now, there's still has to go through the competition committee and all these steps, but that is what the general managers are recommending for next season. I would expect that'll be pushed through with no problem. They're, to be honest with you, it's long overdue. This should have been taken care of, as Lightning fans will tell you, four years ago when Jonathan Drouin was ruled offside in game six against the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Eastern Conference final. 
when the Lightning had a chance to win out here on home ice in that series against the Penguins. Uh, had an early goal taken off the board because of that play. So that look for that to take place next year. Uh, the player tracking, we've talked about this a couple of times, the puck tracking and the player tracking. Uh, apparently the league feels comfortable enough with it now, and we saw it a little bit in the All-Star game, but they feel comfortable enough with it now. They're, they're going to debut it in the playoffs. I would like to see them maybe debut at the last week of the regular season. Because, I mean, we know with technology, there's always bugs to work out, right? There's always things that pop up that maybe you didn't uh, expect to happen or prepare to happen. Uh, either way, expect this player tracking, puck tracking to now be a regular part of your in-game experience. And not just on television, you know, the, the league is already starting to do, I don't know what, exactly what they call it, but this tracker in the, in the NHL app, game tracker, which basically game flow is what they're tracking with it. So you're already starting to see some of it implemented in the app, but you're going to see more and more and more of it, and it's going to give us a lot more insight and detail than some of these advanced stats that we talk about. You know, because the pucks are going to have tracking chips in them, and then they're going to do more than just measure, you know, miles per hour and the lovely comet trail that you might see on your television screen. So expect that to start to take place once we get to the postseason exactly five weeks from today. Right, they also discussed the potential salary cap for next year. And this is not necessarily the best news if you're a Lightning fan because we know these salary cap issues. You want every inch, every squeeze of salary cap, available salary cap space for next year. And the projected cap right now falls anywhere between 84 and $88.2 million. If it's on the low end of that, and this whole escalator in, in I think I the word infiltrator in my mind, it's not escalator. Escalator in the CBA that will be negotiated between the league and the NHLPA, you know, the current cap is $81.5 million. So, if it goes to 84, that's not a whole lot of increased cap space. My math's not very good, but $2.5 million is not a huge jump in the salary cap. If it's 88 million, well, now we're talking. Now we're talking a little bit. Because remember, you have to accommodate for Andre Vasilevsky's contract extension kicking in next year. You have to sign Anthony Sorelli and Mikhail Sergachev, most notably, as the Lightning are wrapping up their practice here. So they were on the ice for roughly 40 minutes. So detailed drills are done, so the players will be coming off the ice. While some others will still mill around. But the salary cap, again, if you're a Lightning fan, you want that as high as possible. So if it was $88 million, 
88.2 to be exact. Now we're talking an increase of close to $7 million. 6.7 million. Now that gives you a little bit more wiggle room to be able to get all these players on a contract for next season. So keep an eye out for that. The, um, the exact number doesn't come out usually until just before the start of free agency on July 1. Usually we get it around the draft. The official number will come out around the draft. So again, you want it higher and higher if you're a Lightning fan to be able to accommodate some of these salary cap crunches that you're going to have to deal with this summer if you're Julian Breezeblaw, Matthew Darsh, and the rest of the front office staff. So those are the big news items that came out of the general manager's meeting that wrapped up. Uh, I know as it relates to the Montreal Canadiens, Mark Bergevin announced that Claude Julien will be back as the head coach of the Montreal Canadiens. Yanni Gord chirping a little bit of Carter Verhage as Derek Lalonde is feeding some one-timers to Carter Verhage, and he just hit Yanni Gord in the bottom of the skate. He's laughing, though. It look, it, from, from afar, it looks like Yanni Gord's mad at him, because we, we could hear him say up here, are you serious right now? Apparently they're working on some tip drills. <laughs> but for Hagee to hit uh, Yanni Gord in the bottom of the skate, so a uh, little chirping going on, a little fun, a uh, little lighthearted moment there at practice. Um, so again, that's the big news coming out of the general manager's meeting. Um, if you have any thoughts on that, any questions on that, Send them my way, of course. Use the hashtag AskEE, or you can email me at eric at lightninginsider.com. The Canadians appear to be in town. They did play last night. They thumped the New York Islanders last night 6-2. to two. You know, and you, you get this sometimes from teams at this time of the year that are sort of on the playoff cusp, but not really, who want to trick themselves into believing that they're in the playoff race. So they got they play like it. I mean, the Canadians were all over the, the Islanders last night. Look, we saw it here back in December, right? That, that game coming out of Christmas where Montreal had an 18-0 shots on goal and a 2-0 lead in the first period. I need to come back and win that game. But, you know, the Lightning have to be ready for that and be aware of that. You know, and look, you've, you've lost six out of seven. Sorry, five out of six. Lost five out of six coming into tomorrow night's game, and you have to be ready for a Montreal team that's going to want to have some jump. Because, again, I, I said the 6-2 win over the Islanders, and the Islanders, you don't talk about a team that's slumping. The New York Islanders, which are at one point in contention with the Capitals at the top of the Metro Division, you know, now are tied in points with Columbus in the wildcard chase. Three points ahead of Carolina, four points ahead of the New York Rangers. 
five points ahead of Florida. You know, but they're they're two six and two in their last ten, so they're slumping big time as well. Um, so again, Lightning have to be ready for Montreal. All right, let's take uh, another break here. Uh, we'll get into our final segment. We'll take your questions and your comments uh, when we come back. So we'll do that when we come back on the other side of this break. Stick around. Belly up to the bar and order some more lightning talk. Uh, have you got any stewed prunes? Yes, sir. Well, give him some black coffee. That'll sober him up. This is Lightning Lunch with Eric Erlinson. Don't you have any respect for yourself? On Lightning Power Play. All right, welcome back to Lightning Lunch here on Lightning Power Play. I am Eric Erlinson, your host from lightninginsider.com, as well as the host of the opening face-off show that you can hear Home games, most home games. Uh, so we'll be back with an addition tomorrow. Bobby the Chief Taylor sits down with us for that show for about uh, a 30-minute conversation. And uh, you never know what kind of stories we can pull out of Chief when he's on the show. So uh, great insight from Chief and good stories from Chief as well. Um, we'll also have a select lightning player. Uh, I can tell you I'm going to try for Zach Bogosian tomorrow. Don't know if it'll work out, but that's my intention, is to get uh, Zach Bogosian on the show for a conversation that we'd like to have uh, as a player joins us for uh, these shows all the time. All right, uh, let's get to questions, comments, and uh, everything else. Uh, first of all, as... Um, the Lightning Man points out, if, T if uh, Tyler Johnson on the power play opportunity the Lightning had in the first period, there's a puck sitting in the blue paint. I don't know how he missed it, but he did. If that puck goes in and the Lightning take advantage of their one power play opportunity, that's right, they only had one, and they'll throw all the original six rulebook hashtags at me. If they take advantage of that one power play opportunity they had, who knows where the game goes. And on that note, this is uh, something I looked up last night deep, deep, deep into the morning hours. Do you know that the Lightning have been held to one or fewer power play chances 14 times this year? Think about that for a second. One or zero power play opportunities 14 times out of 66 games. Four of those have been in the last nine games. Twice this year, they've actually been held without a power play opportunity. Now, I, I can't say I've compared that to other teams around the league, but that seems a high number for me. And last night, again, was one of them. One power play opportunity in that game. And I didn't see it, but I had a conversation, second intermission, you know, the, the Yanni Gord fight that happened at the end of the second period with Joachim Nordstrom. I didn't see it, so if somebody did, correct me if I'm if, if uh, this is correct or if this is wrong. Did Deonny Gore get cross-checked to the face? Dave and Phil seemed to think so, and that's kind of what led to the fight. I didn't see it. If that's the case, how come that's not an extra penalty on Nordstrom? I know, original six rulebook. But very interesting. But, yeah, if Tyler Johnson scores 
on that power play opportunity. You never know how the game goes. All of a sudden, you have the Bruins chasing instead of having to chase the Bruins, and it's much, much harder to chase the Bruins than it is to uh, have the Bruins chase you. Uh, Lee uh, piped in with, uh, didn't like Nikita Kucherov's body language last night. He gets frustrated too easily against good defensive teams. Does he not understand that is exactly what is going to happen in the playoffs? Frustration leads to turnovers and penalties and suspensions. Is he going to learn? I, I can't answer that last question. You would hope he does. You know, we did certainly see it last year. I mean, he has to know. He's an MVP in this league now. You know, he's a two-time 100-point scorer. Players are going to cover him, and they're going to try and get under his skin. It's what they do, especially in the postseason, and that's what led to the retaliatory hit he took last year against Columbus that actually saw him suspended for game three. And, yeah, I, I agree. You know, we had a poll up on the Bolts Radio Twitter feed, and I'm going to check in on it right here to see where it stands. I think, I think the poll is done running, but we'll look at it. But the question was, which player needs to take their game to another level the most with Steven Stamkos out? And your options were Tyler Johnson, Andre Palat, Nikita Kucherov, or other. And it was a runaway in terms of the voting. Well, it's still going on, so you, you can still vote for it. If you go to the Bolts radio Twitter feed and vote on it, you have until tonight to get a vote in. We have 664 votes so far. And I had a couple of people say, well, Nikita Kucherov, he doesn't need to. He's already... Where is it? Cooch is already doing well. Others have to step up. Well, you're right. In terms of the points, he's doing fine. The points are there. You know, last night was the first time he was held without a point in a game since January 12th. It's only a seven-game scoring streak because he missed that game due to injury in between. Otherwise, it's, I think, a 19-game scoring streak. Last night it was snapped. But... You just you want to see him, especially in Steven Stamkos' absence, in my mind. You just want to see him be the guy. Be the guy. You're paid to be the guy. You're the MVP. Be the guy. That's why I think Nikita Kucherov needed to be on that list. And, you know, myself and Greg, we discussed the options for that poll. Uh, I think Tyler Johnson is, uh, is one that immediately stands out to you. I think Andre Pilat, who was taking Steve uh, Steven Stamkos' spot on that top line with Brayden Point and Nikita Kucherov is another natural one because he steps into that situation. But I think Nikita Kucherov, you want to see him be the guy. So that's why, I, look, I voted for Tyler Johnson. But I think Nikita Kucherov, it's not, I don't think, uh, strange to see him finish second in a poll like that. Just for that reason. I just think he needs to be better. I see Kyle. Kyle's listening. <laughs> Kyle's listening because he just tweeted at the NHL that the Lightning have been held to one or zero power play chances in 14 to 66 games this year. Thank you, Kyle. Appreciate you listening. Um, all right, Stephanie has a couple of questions in here. 
as well. By the way, Bob's response to that from Lee was, uh, totally agree with you. It's obvious that Kucherov is a competitor, but when things don't go right, he doesn't come across as a professional team player. Time to channel that energy on the ice. Phil said more than once last night that 86 had lazy changes. I mean, first of all, let's let's keep clear or, or understand. Phil Esposito's never seen a line change he likes. He used to complain about Vinny LeCavier in the same capacity. So take that with a grain of salt. All right, uh, from Stephanie. Uh, I noticed the Bruins kept us to the outside and not many shots getting to the net, not allowing a lot of traffic or rebound chances. Seems like that's how the Lightning were playing when they were on the win streak. How do they get back to that? I, I think you're seeing signs of getting back to that. It, it's, it's a determination. Look, it takes courage sometimes to go to those areas in both ends of the ice, offensively and defensively. And some teams are better at restricting you from getting to those areas and others. We've talked a lot about the New York Islanders in that capacity this year. The Bruins are very good at it as well. They keep you to the outside. But, you know, it's a commitment to blocking shots, being in lanes, taking pass options away, back-checking. Forwards have to back-check. You hear a lot of the players talk about make sure their gaps are good because when your gaps are good, everybody's kind of moving up the ice as a five-man unit and there's not a lot of open ice for uh, opposing teams to work with. I think that's all of everything that they have to get back to doing. I think last night, actually, I think these last three games have been a step in that direction. I know, you know, they lose that game to Chicago. I thought the first two periods of that game, they were very good in that capacity and looked like the team that they did in early February. Third period certainly got away from them on a couple of fortunate breaks and uh, that the Bruins did, or the, the Blackhawks did. I thought the game against Calgary, I thought Lightning were very good. We, we talked about that yesterday. They only allowed 13 scoring chances at five-on-five five strength, according to Natural Statric, which is a good number. One high danger chance for the entire game at even strength. It's a really good number. Last night, the numbers were a little skewed, but I, I didn't mind the way that they played defensively for the most part. You know, they end up giving, again, according to Natural Statric, last night the, score, uh, the scoring chances were 38-29 in favor of Boston in, in all categories. So that included power play. For the game, they were 34-22 at even strength. So they did give away, um, you know, more scoring chances than they would like. But again, I still think a lot of those shots were from the outside. You know, if we kind of look at the heat map of the game, there were, they had some attempts around the net. But for the most part, if you look at the heat map, there's a lot of shots from the outside above the hash marks. So it didn't entirely keep the Bruins to the outside, but they have. So I, I think last night was kind of a step back in that direction as well. Uh, and then we'll see what tomorrow night brings against Montreal. Uh, also from Stephanie, does not having McDonough factor into that style, not being played that well as of late, or should some basic principles still apply regardless of what defensemen are on the ice? The ideal situation is to be able to plug a player into a system, especially if they've been with the team all year, and it's a seamless transition. Now, 
there are certain exceptions to that rule. You can't plug somebody in the lineup and expect them to play like Victor Hedman. He's such a unique talent defensively and what he can bring. So there are certain players you can't do it, but that's the ideal situation is that you have a system running so well and the Bruins, the Bruins are that team to me. You know, and they have a Charlie McAvoy. They have a Tory Krug. Zidane Ochari is a different species altogether. But the ideal situation is that you can lose a guy like Ryan McDonough, plug somebody in, and you just keep playing the system. And that's true. But as we've mentioned before, when you have a player who plays the important minutes that a McDonough does, matched up against other teams' top lines, he's the first guy over the boards on the penalty kill, you know, he, those, are the, those are his responsibilities. Well, what's happened is Victor Hedman now is the first guy over the boards on the penalty kill defensively because you don't have McDonough there. So it, it takes those minutes Victor Hedman plays and puts him in different situations. So what happens is things get moved around. There's a threshold of players reach in terms of ice time, their effectiveness level. We talked with Chief yesterday on the opening faceoff show about that. So you, after a while, you feel the void of a player who plays the important minutes of a Ryan McDonough. But ide ideally, you want the system to be the predictor of how a team is going to play. And that's where they were, especially in the middle of February when they were winning games against the Islanders and um, you know all these tougher teams. They, were, they would remain patient. That's why I look at the, that Chicago game where they remained patient. They didn't force plays. Right, and Braden Point ends up getting the goal that puts him ahead one nothing late in the second period because that was a 0-0 game up to that point. And then, of course, Nikita Kucherov scored 17 seconds later, and then the game got away from him. But, you know, that's why it's important to stay patient within the system. Don't force things. And that's that should be regardless of who is on the ice. But, again, at some point you do start to – just like Steven Stamkos, at some point you're going to really notice his absence. Hopefully it's at some point in the next 16 games and not in the start of the postseason. But at some point you will notice that he's not out there for a defensive zone draw. We saw that last night. This is a big difference where, where you miss Steven Stamkos because he's on a line with Nikita Kucherov and Braden Point, right? How many times did Braden Point get kicked out of the faceoff circle last night? I mean, the linesmen were tossing a bunch of lighting players out of the face-off circle. I mean, Andre Plot ended up taking three face-offs. Remember one year, he didn't take three face-offs all year. But because you only have the one center on that line now, you've got to rely on Andre Plot to go in and take a face-off. You know, even as we look here, well, Anthony Sorelli had a tough night in the faceoff circle, one for 12. Matched up primarily against Patrice Bergeron, who went 13 for 17. Um, so Yanni Gord ends up taking two faceoffs, and, you know, he was on a line with Tyler Johnson uh, and Barclay Goodrow to start. Um, so again, Goodrow took four faceoffs, Johnson took two, Gore took two. So you see uh, guys getting kicked out there. Um, you know, Brain Point ended up taking 15. 
So that's an area where you miss a Steven Stamkos. So if a Braden Point gets kicked out, you don't have a Steven Stamkos to rely on or, or vice versa. You know, they're both right-handed shots, so they'll tend to take their strong side for face-offs. But that's, again, so at some point you notice the void of important players, and Ryan McDonough is an important player. There's no doubt about it. All right, that's going to wrap up the show for today. Uh, as always, I appreciate everybody listening. Um, Kyle did chime in. Uh, no problem. He listens every day. So thanks, Kyle, for, for listening. And we really appreciate everybody who's uh, helped grow this show, grow this station. Uh, we've got some uh, changes coming for the postseason. So just be on the lookout for that and what it might mean uh, for the schedule uh, here on Lightning Power Play as we get ready for postseason action. All right, Lightning are back at it tomorrow night, 7 p.m. against the Montreal Canadiens. That's a game you can hear, of course, right here on Lightning Power Play. They are back on Fox Sports Sun. And, yes, back to a 7 p.m. start, not 7.30. Greg Vanelli is Lightning Power Play live for you coming up at 6 o'clock tonight. I'll be back at noon tomorrow. I also have the opening face-off that will air at 4.30. Thanks, everybody, for your questions. Thanks, Connor Zielinski, for setting us upstairs. Until tomorrow. Bye-bye, everybody.